Hello and welcome to Active Listeners with Mike and Shane. Each week, we will discuss our lives, our goals, and our expectations as artists, as well as discuss what it is to be an artist. Performers, visual artists, and musicians. Mike and I, we want to talk to you, and we want to talk to you about what you do, why you do it, and what that art really means to you. We'll have guests to discuss artistic expression and the all-around nature of the artist's lifestyle. And try to answer that question. Is there a de facto artist lifestyle? Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and join us in the conversation. And once upon a time, there were two young, strapping men, Mike Lake and Shane Sespankowski, who set out to put together the greatest podcast ever before heard. This isn't that podcast, but it's a podcast about that podcast. Welcome to Active Listeners Podcast with Mike and Shane. Welcome. This week's episode is about storytelling and its importance to us as human beings. And I think I did a pretty solid representation of what storytelling is bang up I job do say so myself yes thank you <laughs> all right so storytelling storytelling is a long storied tradition in oh. in in our culture and i promise that's that'll be the last bad pun from me at least it better not be <laughs> and yeah it's kind of the baseline to our society our points of view are the only thing we have in the world, and stories help us to uh, convey what we see and what we encounter every day to one another. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely all storytellers at the end of the day. If you have communication with another person, you're inevitably telling them a story. I mean, even just in this recording of this podcast, I'm telling you the story of my internal monologue but i'm still telling you a story we're telling you a story about stories Ooh. that's how meta this is one this one's gonna get storytellers telling a story to story listeners oh boy here we go it's an onion we're peeling back the layers of this story onion onion story parfait come parfait. on we've seen, we've seen shrek yeah yeah and also great storytelling movie i mean that whole story is a, a meta lens on the different fairy tales all living in the same space and same time and how they interact outside the stories that have been told about them and also changing the expectation of a story which is something that our guest this week is going to talk to us a little about april armstrong actor singer professional storyteller will be joining us later in the episode. And we're going to talk with April about her method of storytelling. And what that kind of entails. I say we're all storytellers, but what I imagine April has done is really dissected what it takes to be a successful storyteller and not just a generic storyteller. Because I've worked with April in the past and she is a fantastic storyteller on and off the stage, but you can tell she does it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And all of us kind of 
have our own ways of telling stories for better or worse. And a professional storyteller is bound to have tons of insight as to how to move along a narrative uh, from the perspective of storyteller. But before we get there, what what is your experience, Shane, with storytelling? Ooh, I've always had this want to write and narrate children's books. And it's not something I've ever really dived into. And of, of course, you know, I took a course in community college about children's book and it sort of inspired me in that way. But the idea of informing the youth through storytelling and being able to relate the messages that I sort of just kind of wish I had been told that it's okay to be who you are and you don't have to change for other people and we're all on our own paths. Those sort of things we take for granted now that we're older, well, some of us do, (laughs) and create an atmosphere where it's okay to learn those things earlier rather than later. Yeah, and I'll say as an experienced ch- children's storyteller to my own kids, the the landscape on children's stories has definitely evolved over the years. There is certainly a lot more of kind of what you're talking about that informing of children uh, of their uniqueness and how their uniqueness is special, even if it's a feature or an aspect of their life that is different from what they see in their friends or their friends' families. And I think that's just a part of the way that society has kind of been expanding its view on normal or its view on the lack thereof. So yeah, storytelling is really important. Gaining inequality on representation. Like, no longer about being diverse in your storytelling. It's about representing the culture that should always have been there all along. I I kind of wonder, uh, have you read Go the Fuck to Sleep to your children yet? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't, no. Um, it's, 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 I don't think it's in our, it's, I don't think it's on our library. We have read the John Oliver. The bunny? Uh, story about the little gay bunny. Yeah, um, Marlon Bundo, and that is just... Came out with a sequel, didn't it? I, I, I believe so. We have the first version of Marlon Bundo. It is a, an amazing story about a little gay bunny that is also the rabbit of the vice president, current vice president of the United States, Michael Pence. So it's the story of Marlon Bundo, who is the pet rabbit to vice president Mike Pence, who is notoriously... Uh, anti-gay, anti-LGBT, and uh, it's great because it tells the story of a little gay bunny that falls in love with another boy bunny, and they have their Mike Pence mayor of all the animals uh, stand-in that is there to be the foil to their love, Uh, and then it's about the... the animals of the forest coming together and voting, basically voting them out of office. <laughs> and it's, it's a nice, it's kind of two pronged. <laughs> the idea of needing a foil to beautiful bunny love <laughs> shocks me. Like, why does that even need a foil? That's just, no one should be against beautiful bunny. No love. one, no one should be against beautiful bunny love, but yeah, it's, it's kind of one of my favorite stories to tell him right now. Uh, just because he, it holds his attention, but also he doesn't really know that 
it's a problem yet. And so if I can expose him to those ideas at a point in his life where he doesn't have society's idea of what is right kind of in his head or influencing how he thinks, then that won't be a, a, a factor that he'll have to correct within his own mind, even though it's something that he's inevitably going to run into. It's always easier to learn something than unlearn something. For sure. For sure. Ugh, we could have a whole episode just on that. <laughs> the process of unlearning. Yeah, the process of unlearning. We'll have to, we'll definitely have to explore that one in the future. One thing that I always think of when I think of storytelling is the stories that are thought to be important, right? The stories that our parents and our grandparents tell us that are from a time before or from an experience that they had, that in the sharing of them, those important things become important to you. It's less about the story and more about the atmosphere created when telling the story is sort of how I view that. Because I think back to the stories that I was told by my parents and my aunts and my uncles, most of them, most of them honestly are about their siblings getting hurt, <laughs> tripping, falling downstairs, breaking an arm, vomiting everywhere. <laughs> but it was never about the story. It was always about sharing a time and representing a space in their life where maybe they didn't enjoy it the most, but they likely got a lot out of it. And it always feels like storytelling is about a lesson perhaps. Yeah, even if that lesson isn't necessarily a big grand moral lesson, it could be simply, you know, don't fight your brother while you're climbing trees or that song, you know, don't spit in the wind. Right, exactly, exactly. It's it's kind don't of Don't step on Superman's cape. It's <laughs> it's all right there. It's all in there. It's all in there. Yeah, and we we find ourselves telling stories to share experience. So when, you know, we're, we're all hanging out and, and someone says, there's this time when I did this thing with these people that I enjoy being around. And then around that circle of people, you start to hear other people's ideas of that time I was around people I enjoy and we did things that I enjoy doing or something went wrong. or And I think it's a really interesting thing about us is that that's kind of where all of what we are came from, right? The very first stories on, you know, to bring it back to an episode prior, the very first stories we told each other were stories about the hunt painted on a cave wall. Yeah, yeah. Meat, there, eat. Exactly, exactly. And mm -hmm. we once found mammoths here. So you go there. Because that was the lesson in that story, is that, is, is that that's where food was. But there's also more to it than just a lesson. As the storyteller, you have that information and you get something out of sharing that information. Especially as a teacher. I feel like a good teacher is just a storyteller. To take it back to another episode when we had Sandra on, she tells stories... Because she enjoys enlightening people. She enjoys telling stories, but she enjoys teaching. She enjoys whatever that brings her. Yeah, all of history 
really is a story that then is quizzed or, you know, extrapolated into meaning. But it starts as a story. It starts as information being conveyed from one person to another. I think what's interesting about storytelling as entertainment is that even though we're inundated with stories all day, every day, from everyone around us, we still find it interesting enough to sit in a space and deliberately go to listen to someone tell us a story. And it's it's fascinating because at, at some level you think, I don't want to know any more stories. But we just have this insatiable need to, to get these experiences. And maybe it's just a, a byproduct of our awareness. But as far as we know, we're the only species that enjoys storytelling as an art form. Yeah, and if you enjoy Mike and I's storytelling, take a moment and check out our Patreon. Our Patreon will give you the opportunity to support our podcast and possibly get your hands on some bonus material. Yes, bonus material including midweek quickies at our first tier of membership and also at our second tier of membership, both midweek quickies and monthly AMAs that we will be doing on our podcord. Yeah, so please go to www.patreon.com slash active listeners pod. And with that, we're going to speak with our guest, April Armstrong. Okay, we would like to welcome our guest, April Armstrong, actor, singer, storyteller. April, welcome to the show. We'd like to ask all of our guests to please just let us know what your preferred pronouns are and give us a little information about you. My preferred pronouns? Um, her. Her Majesty. <laughs> From now on, <laughs> April Armstrong on this podcast will be known as will be Her Majesty. Her Majesty. <laughs> and then tell us something about yourself. I have I have cats, but okay. only two. Okay. It's an acceptable amount of cats. Actually, there's a third one that lives outside and we've been feeding it now. <laughs> so it sounds like you have three cats. You've got a neighborhood cat. Okay, we have three cats. One of them, yeah, one of them is just from the neighborhood. His nickname is Scofflaw. Scofflaw. <laughs> okay, and what are the other two cats' names? The other two uh, live here inside the house. Uh, they are LC, as in, you know, L-C. Uh-huh. Okay. But, and that stands for little cat. <laughs> That's adorable. She's She's no longer little. In fact, she's like a small dog. She's, so she's now like, it's an ironic name. I'm into it. Exactly. She's bigger than a small dog. And I've been hurting my leg when I sleep in the bed, when she's on the bed, because if I try to push her, she's so heavy. <laughs> that it's, it's, been, it's been like putting strain on, on my muscles and my legs. So, And then the other cat's name is Zippy. And we, Zippy came up to me outside when I was uh, gardening on the side of my house, like, you know, putting some stuff in, picking up whatever, uh, some flowers. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Because she came right up to me and she started rubbing, you know, walking between my legs. 
And I was like, no. You've been chosen. Yeah, she you're claimed ownership white, on you. Yeah, you're a white cat with white fur. She's like, she's she looks like a reverse skunk. <laughs> she has a lot of skunk, like, look to her. You look down, she looks like a skunk. I also like the idea that uh, you actually have been living with a skunk this whole time. Yes. <laughs> April, like, uh, April, that's not a cat. <laughs> Bebe, Bebe Le Pew. What do you think of our cat, Zippy? Um, that's not a cat. <laughs> I didn't know. She climbs trees. All cats climb trees. I mean, come on. I don't think all cats climb trees. Does she successfully get out of the tree? She does. She okay, does. See, that's... I, have, I have photographs of her in the tree. <laughs> anyway, so, okay, so I have cats and I have a husband. He does not climb trees. <laughs> we'll get him there. <laughs> he ain't climbing no trees. And I have a house in Yonkers, New York. Ooh. And we've been here five years and it's awesome. And if you look in the, like right now with the leaves off the trees, if you lean over the porch like this and look over to the left, you'll see the Hudson River. I do miss looking out over the Hudson River from time to time. Yeah, that's scofflaw. For the listeners at home, uh, we are getting a sneak peek of the cat (laughs) and perhaps she will share it with us and we can post it to our social medias. You can comment on the cat picture. Yes. It's a cute cat. It is a cute cat. He's really cute. He's really cute. But he he stays outside. What else? What else? What else? What else? I have shelves full of books. Have you read all those books, though? I I have not. I confess. (laughs) Some of those books are just for show. Sometimes you collect books so you can hand them out to other people. Yes, I agree. And sometimes you collect them because you get a... A, satis- a sneaky satisfaction that people think you've read all those books. You've blown your cover now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, I have probably looked in all those books, but I can't say that I've read all of them. A lot of those are story books, and a lot of my history books are downstairs. I have more books than this. Sure. I know a lot of the theater books that I have on my shelf i definitely haven't read cover to cover but from time to time you open it up check it out reference something from it that counts exactly that's what you do i don't have a picture of her in the tree so i'll send that to you (laughs) beyond the scope of our podcast here you can always send me cat pictures please okay (laughs) you just anytime any i'm always open random just random cat pictures random cat pictures i hey look at this cat <laughs> we should try to get that more into you know into uh text and messaging culture uh-huh. you know, it's a lot more wholesome than some other types of random random pictures you can get unsolicited true unsolicited cat pics yeah there you go i like that and then you could put like snapchat things on your cat snap cat snap cat <gasps> million dollar idea nobody still our mi- Copywritten. It's copywritten. It's ours. <laughs> Sorry. We've got a recording Dibs, of it. Dibs, right? That, that's how it Snap works? Definitely how that works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, April, you, like every other guest we've had on the show, are a multi-talent. You have a, a long list of things. Actor, singer, storyteller. I'm really intrigued by storyteller. It's the first time I've ever heard, I've ever known anyone 
to describe themselves as a storyteller. So when you say that, what does that mean? So when I describe myself as a storyteller, I mean that I tell stories. I interpret stories and I retell them. So in most of the time in my own interpretation or fashion. So some people might talk about themselves as a storyteller as though they're when they are writers. You know, I'm, I see that a lot. You know, I talk, actors talking about, well, I'm a storyteller. You know, I'm telling, telling. Well, yeah, right. I'm, I'm part of a story when I'm acting. Usually it's someone else's story because I don't, I haven't written plays myself. I have written one, one woman show about Bessie Coleman. So, okay, I can, yeah, I'm a writer and I'm telling a story there, but I'm acting in that story. I'm right. And as a storyteller, there's improvisation. You may change the story as you're telling it in general. You're not reading the story. I'm not reading a story. I'm telling a story like as in the moth, uh, the show where people get up and tell stories and they've been coached and they've practiced a little bit. Their stories usually have a very nice arc and they've written those stories and then they compete with those stories. So competitive storytelling. Exactly. So it's like a monologue. And then what would we say is the difference between a monologue and a, and a story? Sounds like there's some flexibility in the, in the storytelling where you're right. truly engaging with what sounds like a live audience and, yeah. and tailoring how you're telling that story to what they need right. to hear and how they want to hear it. Right. Whereas a monologue is always the same. Even if it's like a one person right. show, you normally wouldn't move things around or, you know, change anything. Right. You know, to stay right. true to the to the written work. It may be choreographed. And what's interesting uh, is not that when you tell a story, it's not choreographed. Because you may have things that you, when you tell a story, you may do things. You know, I might put a, have songs that I sing within that story. I'll go back to those same songs. I might not remember that song. I might put in something else or I'll look around the room or some kid is doing something and I'll put that in the story as well as, uh, you know, kids inspired me or an adult, something happens and then you incorporate that as opposed to a monologue where you're playing usually a character. So you're very much, you're very much yourself when you're having these interactions. But I'm playing a character, I'm playing all the characters. Right. So if we told the story of Hamlet, we might talk about Hamlet and it was a tragic situation and how he felt. And then Hamlet might come out and speak for a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds or, you know, a few sentences about how Hamlet thought whether he should, whether he, he it was worth living. So as a storyteller, you're sort of allowing yourself to inhabit multiple characters within the story. Yeah. That's great. It Right. And he said to his and he said to his mother and he he did this to his dad. So you'd be telling the story of Hamlet and then you would also like pull the characters that maybe you want to say and then you might throw some legitimate Shakespeare in there, you know. And depends on the audience, right? <laughs> it depends on the audience, right? But that would be a cool story just to tell. 
and the ghosts came out. And then you might talk about, let's say, how that story affects you or what you were thinking about when you first read that story. I used to read Hamlet a lot for some reason when I was younger. I was, and I had memorized the soliloquy. Because yeah, it's great. So you're also, yeah, so yeah. You're also tying in uh, personal motivations into that storytelling. Oh. Right, right, right. But to tell this, that would be really great. I mean, and sometimes when you're talking, when I'm talking to students, right, um, about a piece of theater, I'm telling them the story of the piece of theater. And if I got really excited and had a lot of time, I might act out parts of it. Sure. And this is when they did this. And then I, or I might go back and forth and say, and the audience reacts like this when this happens. So you tell them the story and you give them the whole experience of doing that as opposed to, I'm going to be this person. I'm going to sing this song. And this is what I mean because it's happening at this point of the show. Like if I was in recital, I might say, I might give the, need to give the audience, I might need to tell a little bit of the story about, let's say I'm singing Sarah in ragtime. I'll tell a little bit of the story and then I will sing Sarah's song. You know, it's nice for them to have a reference. Sure. Give them a little bit of context. I would imagine that the, the personal motivations day to day really impact that storytelling as well. Like if, you're having a good day versus a bad day. And when you're telling that story, what you might emphasize uh, on a good day versus a not so good day. Yeah, I think there's a, there's definitely a level of, of that improvisation for storytellers. I, I did a storytelling show. I was a featured teller along with a gentleman named Tim Tingle. Tim kept saying, uh, he's like, I, I, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do yet. So I was like, okay. He says, like, do you know what you're going to do? And I said, well, I have some things in mind. I said, well, you do what you're going to do, and then I'm going to tell my story. <laughs> and he just wanted to make sure that I went first so that he could, you know, decide what the mood was going to be. And then that was going to affect what he told, the mood of the audience, and then his mood. And I thought, okay. And then I did, I did the same thing for myself. I was like, should I tell this story that day? Or, you know, and it's, it's getting closer to the hour. You, you're kind of honing in on one or two things you're going to tell and you know the shape of them and you know the timing of them. And if these two fit together, or maybe I'll go with this one. And you don't know until you get in front of those people sometimes how it's going to, you don't know. You don't know what's going to come out sometimes until you're right there. You know, you might have to tell something before you tell that story. They're not ready to. Yeah, they're not ready to hear that story yet. Do you miss the that in-person performance? Oh, yeah. Storytelling online has been quite um, interesting, challenging and and pretty rewarding. It's very odd to get nervous right in my own home to like have like the first couple of times I was doing it to have like sweaty Palms. <laughs> sweaty palms and and t you know tightness of throat you know just like you would be having on the first the opening of a show or um except you're two feet away from your bedroom except yeah. you're in your house <laughs> right yeah you're around you're surrounded by all your stuff you're not on a stage you're not you're just in at your desk and then holy cow butterflies and the whole like because you're 
you don't know how it's going to go. You don't know because it's the first time you've done it. So that was a very bizarre sensation. I think what I think is interesting most about storytelling as an art form is we all people are storytellers and I'm, and I'm sure in your history, you know, the history aspect of what you do and teach, that's something that you touch on a lot. Yeah. Um, can you talk about how historically, how important storytelling is to humans? You figure storytelling was probably some of the first entertainment we've had, <laughs> you know, um, you don't know what happened. I came out of the I came out of the forest and there was a lion standing there. You know? <laughs> You've got just your everyday stuff that you know and then oh my god, did you see when uh when part of you know part of our community that, that person in our community fell down and everybody laughed at them and then they'll tell that story to the person that was in their hut that was a, you know, that was a great and, and missed it. That was a great <laughs> And then you've got the, the storytelling where you, you know, you're recording a legend of what happened, right? You're telling the history of that tribe, of your tribe. African-Americans, when we came over, uh, were brought over, were kidnapped and brought over. The only thing we had was our stories. And then, unfortunately, people forget that even within... Um, a nation, uh, an area, uh, people spoke so many different dialects. So they weren't all speaking the same language. Mm -hmm. I've had kids say to me all the time, like, why couldn't they just get together? <laughs> like, you know, revolt. Well, in all that trading, when people got to um, uh, the, what is it, the, uh, the point of no return, where the ship was coming. By that time, they had gathered so many different tribes. People were already being separated and put into places where they didn't speak the same language. Right. And by design, uh, they they had learned, you know, the slavers had learned that if there was too much community, it was too hard to keep people subjugated. Because those people are right. going to get together and be able to say, let's, let's do this, let's do this, right? And then that's that's how... You can take over a ship. Right. It's about the communication. And that's why you don't want people playing drums because drumming is a communication. So we take the drums away. And that's why Louisiana and New Orleans was so special because people got to keep their drums. And there's a lot of culture that remained, African culture, that was still practiced because they had these kinds of, of uh, traditions. So storytelling goes way back before the Brothers Grimm, right? Before, before you know, before Shakespeare. What? We're, <laughs> we're telling stories. Everybody's telling stories. And you've got the, um, the griots, you know, the storytellers who are telling, holding the history of their tribe and the the bards right of africa and they're telling about the births and the important births and the 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 kings and who who was subdued and who conquered who and part of the clash of culture between african and european is that we weren't writing things down 
It was an oral tradition. We're remembering the history and you're hearing the important battles and and this king was born and this king died and this, you know, you're hearing it from the griot, from the storyteller. And then there are songs that go along with it. In fact, this, you know, you might call it an ode, right? And that's pages and pages and pages and pages, 400 pages of text trying to re retell the history of this group of people. I always say to kids when I'm in a classroom with them, when I'm doing teaching artist stuff, imagine if you were responsible to know about every kid in this class, hmm. when they were born, what street they live on, where their parents came from, what their good qualities were, nice things they did for other people. You were, you were supposed to like remember all of that. When, when something big happened with the whole group, that's a big, you gotta have a big brain to remember all that stuff, you know? <laughs> for sure. For I'd really sure. love to hear you talk about the, the teaching aspect of what you're doing because personally, I feel like if I were to try to teach kids about storytelling, I feel like one of the first things I would do is to tell them that they're already storytellers. Absolutely. Do you ever tell a story at the dinner table? Every night, right? You tell You talk about your day. You talk about... Some, you know, the person that worked that fell and everybody left at. That's right. That's right. <laughs> when the teacher accidentally, you know, spilled their coffee. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah. I remember uh, we had, a, oh, my gosh. I remember so many. There was some great teacher in high school. He was our French teacher, Mr. Mace. We had so many. He was such a character. And we told the story many, many, for many, many years, right? High school is a long time ago. And we would say, remember the time Mr. Mace brought his kid to school? That doesn't seem weird until you know the whole story. And so we walk, we were seventh graders. We walk into the classroom and people start elbowing and poking each other and pointing. And we look, <laughs> we look in at some point in the classroom and we look and there's this tiny little girl and she's sitting there like a doll she looked like a little doll you know with a little dress on i don't know she must have been like i don't know two three years <laughs> old you know or even younger and he forgot he was supposed to take her to daycare and she was sitting in the back seat being really quiet and school's early you know Teachers have to show up at school early. And he that was it. He had to go to school. He had to be there. And we was like, Mr. Mace, who is that kid? What's that kid doing? And, and he goes, he just goes, oh, poor him. I don't know what that was for him to tell us that story. But the class went crazy. <laughs> we went berserk, you know, like. That was such a funny thing. And I bet the whole school knew before oh the end God. of first period. Oh, yeah. It was, but it was, and she was so beautiful. She was just like a little doll, you know, and he, I'm sure he was just like, I can't believe I did this, you know. The ultimate embarrassment. Yeah. He has to admit as a dad that he forgot his kid only to remember her later. Oof. He yeah. had such a funny sense. He was like, you know, she was just sitting there in the back and I... You start doing the calculations in your head. Oh, it's it's seven twenty-five. I've got to start class in five minutes. Well, I guess I have my daughter at work. Today. I've got. Guess I've got. Bring your daughter to work today that day. But that's a story. 
I also bet if you went to those kids that you're talking to and, and being like, hey, uh, if you had to big brain and save all these stories, I bet you they could tell a story about every kid in their class. They probably could, right? And then you might say, well, how could you put the stories in a format that you could remember them? And they might say, yeah. Well, what could be, then we might say, okay, well, what, what could be a format that you, what, what's a format? What's a, you know, of course. how, how's a different, how's, how are different ways we could tell stories? And then hopefully they would come up with, you could sing them. You could rap them. You could poem them. They could be a poem, right? And then are there different kinds of poems that could tell stories? Oh yeah. Then they know this poem and this kind of poem. And then could you put those things together? And do you talk about the the written word as well, or does it tend to be a very oral tradition in what you do? It's mostly getting them to be more oral with, with their stories and then to use their voices. I'm trying to think of this one storyteller that uh, I borrowed some of his, it'll come to me, borrowed some of his techniques for the classroom. I took a workshop with him and then borrowed some of his techniques. And he used to have these cards and it was like, um, from one, like uh, one to 10, each card had a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? And he would hold it up and he would say, okay, so you gave that to me. That was like a three. <laughs> Could you say it like a five, you know, sure. and play with these numbers and get the volume up? And how do you get the volume up? And then, yeah, you create a metric for them and then you start putting in like that metric one to 10 is volume or it's intensity or it's... exactly exactly could you be a 10 in the face yeah but a three in the voice Ooh. i mean like that's fun it's like improv games that's it that's it we're just you know the why we love theater so much is that people weren't we we're playing games to learn it we we're playing games you know i love improv with High schoolers, oh my God, they are just so awesome. Even if they're so against it at the beginning. They're way better at it than they realize, yeah. So <laughs> into it, you know, and... It's this mentality, it's this freedom of, oh, I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever I want in this moment and everyone will respond to it. It gives them a sense of power, I feel like. Absolutely. And then it's give offering them the parameters to make it and then that makes it more challenging and then they actually start to hone it in because a lot of times it'll go you know it'll go like it's not getting getting kind of crass very soon sure. very quickly yeah. and so it's okay well, we're gonna we're gonna concentrate on language here and know that some things are just we're just gonna stay within a certain parameter we're not gonna go outside because it'll make some people uncomfortable and how could what else how could you say that a different way or you know, and like forces them to be a better storyteller. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, can you use more interesting words? What are the diff? How many ways can you describe that? Or having them, I, one of my favorite things was to watch this uh, group of high school kids in um, high school in Manhattan. I was working with them and there was a fun improv where two, two or three people are talking about someone that's not there. And that person comes in but when that person comes into the scene those people who've been talking about them have described them oh my god did you see their hair it's like and then someone else one of them would say oh yes 
and poor him walking with that limp because of his, you know, or whatever, um, and make up a story about that. Always spinning in circles. It's the weirdest thing. And that terrible tick he has that when he where he when he laughs uncontrollably for no reason, and then that person comes in and has to be Do all, all those, of things. those things, and it's just so wonderful. I mean, like they they just realize the power of laughter you know the power of 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 taking on a character and that you're tickling some other people so much and then that release that wonderful release and the getting them to make fun of themselves to be you know that you're hopefully you're having an environment where you tr- people trust each other to say okay we're going to we're going to be okay with showing our flaws with showing you know with being all right with with letting our hair down it's okay to create and live in a a safe space it gets a lot of negative attention about you know snowflakes and needing their safe space but at the end of the day safe spaces is a place to learn and grow and you don't have to live there but it's nice to visit every once in a while i think safe space the most successful rooms classrooms i've ever been in there was there was a safe space in whatever the that parameter was there's a safe space to make fun of yourself or there's a safe space to enjoy laughing with someone about their situation or there's a safe space to to cry to have a different kind of to emote in a different way in that space right I remember having the rap room or the, you go to guidance, but classes in guidance, not the one-on-one kind of guidance pseudo, you know, slash therapy. But when there's a group of young people and they're with the guidance counselor and they're talking about their feelings, that's a safe space. And then in theater, there's the safe space that the teacher makes so that you could get up and do crazy things and we're in the world of that and when that person is doing something that's deep you're quiet for them you're you're bearing witness to that and allowing them to affect you and then talking about it i think that's an underrated thing in theater is how the audience is affected by what you're saying and and what you're what you're doing it's not just an actor on a stage performing and emoting exactly it's it's making the actor themselves is also making a safe space for the people watching them the people viewing them saying it's okay i'm willing to show you this part of me in hopes that maybe you'll see a new part of yourself the storyteller is is offering the listener a path like the, the storyteller is is telling the audience it's okay to feel this way about this person by the way you talk about them. You might be neutral, but you also might have a little bit of an opinion. Or you might be saying, "What you know, because we all do that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And it, it's like, and the audience can go, oh, yeah. Yeah, when if you're yeah, telling a story do. and... And there, you know, you get to the point where you're speaking about, like, the antagonist. You can choose to have a sympathetic affect, you know, and even though this person may be causing all the conflict, 
they're also there's also you know as a storyteller you get to basically guide the audience and how they should feel about that whereas if i'm on stage and i'm playing the antagonist it's left up to the audience to kind of like decide if they're gonna be on my side or not right you know and and your performance is is key to that understanding as well but you're kind of able to lead them a little more when you're just the orator and yeah and you get to you know bring them on that journey right and then the actor is the actor is sometimes dependent upon the director i mean you know you go to teachers Okay, so you're 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 the teacher or the coach that tries to get help you get the audition, get the audition, get through the audition and book a role is going to say we're going to make you director proof, right? <laughs> oh, I have heard but, that many times, yeah. <laughs> right. So, but that's in the audition. That's and director proof means like you, you're not going to be afraid, you're going to be able to to get done what you need to do and to be yourself and be yourself in that part so that the 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 casting table doesn't seem to interfere with you you're 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 fully there very you're, present you're in, in the you're, material you're very present right present in the material right so that's kind of director proof but on the set is different too right because the director has so many things to do mm. they have so many things to do so you may still go back to the coach so that you know you to interpret what the director said because they have so many things to do and you really need to this is a thing we didn't a lot of us didn't learn that we're there to serve the director of that thing we're we're yeah we're in our character we're doing our part and all that but we're also helping him to tell a bigger yeah we're in service of that bigger story yeah we really are right unless you wrote it unless we wrote it ourselves and then on stage that's different right it is because that's usually a you so much of it is is that rehearsal and getting an eye to eye with the director and and getting that's why people work with the same people Mm -hmm. because they, they get that shorthand of of um you know what i'm talking about that's how this podcast was created (laughs) like you know what i'm talking about yeah i know what you mean you know i watched these guys move my piano once i was when i was moving from a rental to my first co-op i had bought a co-op and we they had to take the piano down uh, a whole flight of stairs i love my piano i don't even remember how it got up there but I had it there for many, many years. And now I had to watch them take this piano down this flight of stairs. And down is always scarier than Obviously, up, right? Yeah. I couldn't watch when it was happening. I was like, I have to turn away, you know. But they stood there for like, um, I, it felt like 20 minutes. There were two of them, two men. I have it upright. And they were going like this. It was like, Oh yeah, but mm-hmm. Okay, we could. Yeah, yeah. No, let's. All right, right. Bet. <laughs> yeah, you had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> I didn't know what they were talking about, but I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And then in seconds, 
the piano was down the stairs. That was their shorthand, but that was in a huge, con- I mean, like, it took a while because they were thinking of the angles and everything. Yeah, you about watched that. a rehearsal into a production. Ex- watched a rehearsal into a production, and it was down the stairs like that. It was, I was like, oh my God. You know, because it's a heavy thing. You got to get it right. You're not going to dent any walls. You've got, as an angle, this, you know, you're not going to get any scratches on it. It was awesome. It was such a beautiful a dance of them getting this piano a little pas de deux, if you will yeah right as you as you move from your your storyteller space into your actor rehearsal space what aspects of the storyteller do you like to bring with you or do you like to keep those two things separate you know i can't bring a lot of storyteller into usually not on a set i can keep the story in my mind about my character, my backstory, my immediate situation, what's going on in in me that helps get those words out of me, you know? I mean, having had the opportunity to work with you before, I always felt like you had this vivid backstory life happening that would occasionally spill out into the rehearsal room, but I... I felt like I always watched you recognize that that's for me. That's not for everyone here. And we don't want to, we don't want to burden our fellow actors unless, unless they're in a method with you, maybe, you know, like, and you can talk about that after or something, but I don't want to burden them with my process. I don't want to. And then for that was such a short run. I mean, a short period of time that we had to rehearse and everything. We really, we were doing, a lot of it was just remembering our lines, right? I might have looked really intense, <laughs> but um, what's happening here? What's going on? What? And then I think in theater, so, okay, like I said, on the set, no, you're not, you better. Because, you know, here's the thing. You can't be so much into your story that you're not aware of, where's the camera again? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, yeah, that thing flies in. <laughs> oh, you better geez. be. <laughs> You better not be in inside some kind of story if you're on on a stage with a turntable or two of them going, oh my gosh, I was watching um, Hades Town, Hades Town when there those there two turntables that were going and I was like, oh my gosh, she's singing, she's singing, she's looking off and I there was a part of me that was like, don't walk into that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the timing of <laughs> the timing of that i used to hear stories about lion king people were hurt every night or something oh jeez i mean the set yeah the yeah. the set was continually moving you cannot be in a spaced out place you know it, it's so funny we we're such acrobats at what we do we cannot be inebriated we can't be you've really got to be with it you can't be super tired on a, you can't be those things. You have to be alert and, and with it. I mean, you hear all kinds of stories, you know, those are stories, right? About what happened that night, you know, all of us have done two show days, a two show day or, or a five show weekend. Ooh. 
you forget which show you're in. You and know? you wouldn't think, right? You like 90, 90 minutes a night, and you think, oh, well, I should, I'll be fine. But like, no, it's it takes it out of you. You gotta. It's you. It's just. It's really serious. It's like we when we grew up, there was a, I don't know. Not everybody's like that. I guess not everybody grows up that way. But there was like this image of an actor because when we see celebrities. They're partying, right. right? Yeah. Everything's a party. You know, I'm surrounded by all these other wonderful party people. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, or you are, I'm, or you're drinking. Sure. You see actors drinking. It's really glorifying you know? a lifestyle that's not a reality. It's completely not a reality. If you have to go home the next day and learn, you're shooting the next episode, the next day. Yeah. Then let's do your series regular, right? You have to go home and learn those lines, and they may have given you uh, corrections or Rewrites. change edits. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time I was ever on a movie set. I was, you know, just playing an extra, but like realizing that, like, holy crap, we've been here for eleven hours. You know, there's, you know, the actors that were in, you know, in this, they've been maybe not on in the scene for eleven hours, but they've been here eleven hours. And they've been having to keep their energy up mm-hmm. and pace it because they don't know when they're going to be called. Or It's really something. It reminds me also of, um, there's, uh, what is it, um, singers. So, okay, so there's opera. Maybe you're doing a particular aria and that character only comes out in the third act. <laughs> And you have to, when do you warm the voice up and how long do you have to, but the the worst, the most challenging is you're sitting there. Oh my God. What is that piece? Not Beethoven. Oh, there's this really great um, oratorio or something. And you, so you're sitting there on the stage because all the soloists are, are on the stage, right? Oh. You don't get to walk in. When they introduce the yeah. soloist, that everybody sits Everybody's on the stage, there. and now you're sitting there. The soprano is sitting there, and her aria doesn't come up, <laughs> and she just has to be ready. Yeah, two hours beforehand, which means she has yeah. to keep in mind, like, oh, God, that sounds. I remember doing a uh, small scale show of Macbeth a while back, and that's how we did it. It was like an hour and twenty minute production, but we all sat on stage the whole time. And it's amazing how much more on you have to be as an actor when you know the audience can see you. Absolutely. Even if you're just being neutral, you still have to consciously just like. And I'm a pacer. Not be like backstage. Wobbling. I need <laughs> yeah, right. There's there were several. Um, I remember Marie Christine. There were these the three women that were supposed to like be in jail with her, and she's telling. Storytelling, right? She's telling her story, and they go back and they say, "How did you get here?" And she tells her story, and they're witnessing. They're back there watching. And then uh, when we did Lost in the Stars for the York Theater, it was like my first showcase for the York Theater Company when they were in a church that was the um, on the east side, and we had that we were staged as witnesses, like the Greek chorus, and we were sitting there watching the whole thing happen. And then sometimes when the sets would change, people would come up and they would make their entrances or something, or somebody would walk down and then become something else. And that's all takes a lot to sit there and 
like you say, maintain, are you maintaining that character? Or maybe you're two different characters in that show. And when does it switch? And, you know. Yeah, so then keeping all that in your head, there's not a lot of room for the storyteller in there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you're, yeah, I think your storytelling might be sometimes getting you, just getting you on the stage that night, you know. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I remember I was friends uh, with this very, really well-known musical theater actor, Ken Jennings, and he would say, he would say, I'm doing this show for so-and-so tonight, you know, and he had gotten that from somebody else he was in the show with, I remember, because he was telling me, and it's like you, sometimes you're like kind of, you can't, you're not doing it for yourself, you're doing it, you're thinking of somebody else, you're doing it for them. You're pulling their energy into you somehow because you you don't have it for yourself that night to shine, you know. So I'm going to do it for so-and-so, you know. Um, that's kind of an awesome way to do it, to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to I'm have to remember that one. I'm going to have to borrow that one. <laughs> yeah. Same, same. Um, and I think that being said, uh, it's it's probably about time to thank Her Majesty for coming out and uh, having this conversation with us. It's been a great time. Uh, We are going to ask you to do a little fun thing for us. Uh, Is there anything that you're currently working on that you would like to give a little plug to before we get there? Oh, that I'm currently working on. So right, so Kwanzaa's coming up. So I'm working on my storytelling for Kwanzaa. um, And um, I'll be at the Montclair Library on... December 26th at five. Awesome. Um, so if people want to tune into that. And we'll make all of these links available to all of our listening audience. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that I get some more, <laughs> get some more gigs, uh, uh, some more Kwanzaa gigs coming up or Christmas gigs. And I'm working on, a, I'm working on a couple of things. I got some scripts I'm working on Ooh. and I'm definitely working on, um, a couple of songs I'm writing for a Black History storytelling CD, so I'm working on that right now. Well, keep us in the loop for that, please. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep us keep us aware, and we will plug all the stuff. Uh, you know, when you have it ready to plug. Um, Yay! And Maybe then we'll have a second April episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely yes. we'll have you come back and talk about talk great. about the new stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. You guys are fun. Good. A lot of, a lot of, I love that. Mixing it up. Actors, you know, <laughs> having some soul to soul talks about acting and it's, we, what we do is so special. It's so, I think we bring joy to so many people. I hope so. I hope so. You've definitely brought joy to me this evening. I know that. Yeah. And let's <laughs> let's tap into your 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 other your other mode of creation. And I think okay. you said you have a, a song for us today that we're gonna yeah. tag on to yeah. the end of this the end of this interview here. Uh, tell us a little bit about the song, and then we'll share it with our listeners. This is from one of my storytelling CDs called um, "Stories and Songs with a Jazzy Twist Two: Birds of a Feather." And uh, this is a song by the Beatles. So all the songs and stories in this on this CD are about birds or flying. So I'm hoping that, you know, you'll like it.
beautiful song. Thank you, April, for taking the time out to come to speak with us this evening, and we will certainly have you back in the future. And thank you for telling us about storytelling. I, I feel like I learned. I feel like I learned. Well, good. Thanks. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Mike. It's been awesome. And have a wonderful uh, and safe Thanksgiving. You too. We'd like to extend a thank you to our guest for today, April Armstrong, actor, singer, professional storyteller. You can catch up with everything that April's got going on if you follow the links in our show description. That brings us to the end of our episode and Shane for listener engagement. Hey, that's me. Wow. It is. So for audience participation on this episode, I'd like to know... What is the earliest memory you have of storytelling? What is either the earliest story you remember telling or maybe the earliest story you remember being told? And what was so specific about it that got it lodged in your brain for so long? And you can tell us your story on our Facebook at facebook.com slash activelistenerspod. And you can also check us out on Twitter at act list pod that is at a c t l i s t o and you can join in on the conversation if you like what you hear leave us a rating and if you really like what you hear and you want to support the show go to patreon.com 
slash active listeners pod and become a patron. Our theme music, It's a Trap, was created by Remodel. Thanks for listening.